BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, and welcome to The Parting Shot, your dose of everything pop culture. I'm H. Allen Scott. So I was raised Mormon, and if you're a longtime listener of this podcast, you're probably like, well, I thought you were Jewish. I am. Let me explain. My entire family is Mormon, and in the Mormon faith, kids aren't baptized until the age of eight, as dictated by the Book of Mormon. So when it came time for me to be baptized, there was a little bit of a problem. And no, it's probably not the one you're thinking of, which is you probably think, oh, it's because they thought you were gay. Although, let's be real, that should have been a red flag from day one, because even at eight years old, I was already watching The Golden Girls. Anyway, I just had all of these questions, and it was questions that they couldn't answer, like, why is there such a focus on the afterlife when we don't even know if it exists? And they would answer it, but the answers just didn't sit well with me, and it didn't make sense to me, none of it made sense. So they delayed my baptism again and again, until eventually I stopped asking questions, and I got baptized. But they were all still there. Eventually in college, I started to study various religions, and wouldn't you know it, all of those questions I had as a kid in my head were being answered by my Jewish studies courses. So I went deeper, became more involved in the Jewish faith, and decided that one day I would just marry a Jewish guy and would convert. Well, I would marry when the government gave me that legal right, which they eventually did. Let's hope it stays that way. Well, things didn't exactly go the way I thought they were going to go. At 30, I got cancer and thought, well, now is as good a time as any to work on becoming a Jew because I got all this time on my hands. So during chemo, I studied because Jews like to make you work to become a Jew, which I respect. Anyway, after a couple of years, I became cancer-free, thank you very much, but I also became officially a Jew. But let's be real, deep down, I've always kind of been one. So why am I telling you all of this? I'm glad you asked. A couple of years ago, a documentary crew followed me on my way to my big bar mitzvah, and they made a movie called Latter-day Jew. It's funny, it's silly, it's sweet, it's deep, it's emotional, it's all of the things. Anyway, it's great, but selling it in Hollywood was really, really difficult, because religious content, no matter how mild or funny or even unserious or borderline secular, is a tough sell in this town. Which is why I was so interested in the Newsweek cover story, Jesus Takes Hollywood, written by Paul Bond. It discusses the rise in popularity of Christian-based stories and entertainment, like the new film Sound of Freedom or the show The Chosen. While I'm not Christian, the idea of more faith-based stories being told did interest me, because I feel like there should be room for everybody at the table. So with that said, today I've got two fantastic guests to talk about the rise in Christian-based entertainment. My first guest is the author of that article, Paul Bond, to discuss what he found. And my second guest, and this is the big one, is Jonathan Rumi, who plays Jesus in the wildly popular The Chosen. I'm telling you, my chat with Jonathan left me feeling great. He was so giving and honest, and honestly, it's hard not to see a little bit of Jesus in him. I mean, I don't know that much about Jesus, but when I was talking to him, I was kind of like, yeah, I believe you're Jesus, dude. Like, he's kind of Jesus-y. You're going to love it. I swear to you, you're going to love it. So let's get to it. Go on and grab a snack, because I'll be right back with Paul Bond, followed by my chat with Jonathan Rumi. 
This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So, Paul, what did you find in, I mean, your, your piece was so great. What did you find in why and how the popularity of sort of Christian-based entertainment is so hot right now? Well, there's a lot of theories about that, and um, all of them seem pretty obvious you know the pandemic made people think about their own mortality and that sort of thing but um you know it's also very good storytelling you know <laughs> the chosen is uh you know the first time a miniseries about jesus christ is not even a miniseries it's actually a proper tv series seven seven seasons worth but you know it's the first time it's been done since the 70s with uh you know jesus of nazareth it was just time to retell that story and to do it in um, uh, a more serious way, a more reverential way, and a much longer way. I mean, they can really squeeze in a lot of Jesus' life in that particular show, The Chosen. So I think uh, decent storytelling is, uh, is is a huge draw. Yeah, and so much of it, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but The Chosen was crowdfunded, right? Chosen was crowdfunded, yeah. They used uh, their own crowdfunding service that they created and uh, raised $11 million. It was not only crowdfunded, it was equity crowdfunded, which means if you uh, gave money to the chosen, you know, you didn't just get a t-shirt or a DVD or, uh, you know, a a roll of an extra, you got a piece of the action. Mm. And so those uh, original um, people who who helped crowdfund this thing uh, own uh, more than 40% of the company and they've already made a profit on that investment, about a 20% profit. So if you if you were one of those original crowdfunders and you gave 100 bucks, uh, you've already got back 120 and uh, with more to come because you're going to own this company in perpetuity unless you sell it off. Yeah, and I mean, so much of this entertainment, I mean, The Chosen now is being shown on the CW a network television. So, I mean, reruns of like the past episodes. And of course the fourth season is coming out, I think next year, it does seem like that there is a fan base for it. And, and for something, I mean, I've always thought this about entertainment, that entertainment in general is never mainstream. It's always niche. It's those niche communities that really line up and support whatever project it is, be it Barbie, be it, these big blockbusters, but also be it just sort of like small films like last year with everything everywhere all at once. It was a niche audience that made it sort of get to the mainstream. And I want to know if you think that shows like The Chosen or films like Sound of Freedom, because there is such popularity within 
the niche audience of this Christian based, the Christian based entertainment fans, do you think that it's having or it's spilling over into maybe non Christian based fans or our mainstream audience? Yes and no. Um, certainly a lot of people are checking out the chosen, just the curiosity factor. And, um, you know, some people I know have checked out Jesus revolution just for the nostalgic, uh, fact of, uh, that show, you know, it took place in, in Southern California in the 1970s, and the music is spot on, and the, the scenery is spot on. So they're checking it out just to remember, uh, you know, their their teenage years in the 70s when the hippies were running around preaching about Jesus. Um, but, you know, mostly it's going gonna, it's gonna to remain that niche, but that niche is pretty darn big. You know, more than 50% of the country calls themselves um, Christians. And um, there's also a, a there's also a phenomenon that um, Christians have been made bad guys so often in modern day TV and film that, um, you know, people are just looking for, you know, the, the guy with the, the guy who's quoting the Bible or the guy with the giant tattoo across on his arm, not to be the villain because mm-hmm. that's so um, predictable uh, nowadays that they're just looking for, uh, you know, something more original and, uh, you know, more edgy. Yeah. Nowadays, it's, it's edgy to be Christian, and it's not very edgy to make the Christian the bad guy. You know, Hollywood has done that to death since the 1970s. Yeah, I mean, the uh, a film that I that first came to mind when you said that was um, there's a there's a there's a character in Contact that Jodie Foster movie from the 90s where it was this sort of like bible quoting end of times person who was sort of a cult leader and he was the bad guy that of course blew up the first spaceship that was going to make them talk to aliens and stuff and i thought that was the first thing i thought of was right yeah there's there's that's a christian guy who's like a bad guy in a great big blockbuster movie you know and there's other examples of it i'm sure over the years oh yeah many examples i mean uh, just check, check out netflix it's almost uh, like, you know, if, if, if somebody's quoting the Bible, you know they're going to be the bad guy, the villain, the evil, uh, serial killer, murderer. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you know, and not, not in, in like in your, in your example, contact, not that there, uh, not that there aren't some crazy cultists out there. There was just <laughs> one in Africa, uh, a Christian, weird Christian cult where people were, uh, killing themselves by starving themselves to death and killing themselves on the cross. So there are, episodes like that where mm-hmm. you can point to and say see see there is other oh, crazy cultists out there that claim to claim to be christian yeah but um you know recent years hollywood has really focused on that element and um really downplayed that there are some uh, pretty nice christians out there as well why do you feel that hollywood has had this focus since the 70s on sort of making the christian characters either shady or evil or uh, you know whatever whatever else that things you found like why do you think they do that well i quote one professor in my story and i agree with her um you know christians were the ones that said abortion is bad christians were the one that said uh you know same-sex marriage is bad uh and on hollywood is very liberal politically and uh a thousand percent behind both those issues you know, pro-abortion, pro-gay marriage. Mm-hmm. And so they see Christians as standing in the way of that sort of progress. So, of course, they're going to make them the bad guys, and they're going to uh, portray them as, you know, closed-minded and bigoted mm-hmm. and anti-progress. And, and because, you know, art reflects the values of the artist. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when they made Ben-Hur, and, and Christ was, um, you know, this 
this maker of miracles and all loving and you know that reflected the values of the filmmakers and when they make uh you know a netflix show like the slasher where everybody who quotes the bible and everybody who owns a cross becomes a maniacal murderer yeah <laughs> i'm flying hypocrite that also reflects their values I mean, one thing that I, I mean, Justin, as just to play devil's advocate here, which is, it feels like a strange phrase to use in a conversation about Christian entertainment. But I mean, you could also argue that Hollywood is reflecting what polls show that the vast majority of Americans do support same sex marriage or rights for same sex couples. And they also support the right for choice. And so, you know, you could argue that they're actually just reflecting the popularity and what the polls show of that support behind those issues. But you're also right that there is there. It does seem to be also a double standard when it comes to representation of Christians in cinema. So there is that sort of dichotomy there. Yes. Um, well, you know, <laughs> depending on the issue, Hollywood loves to brag, uh, Hey, we got in front of that issue and we really pushed it and look at, look at our success. Or if it's a different issue, uh, they'll say, Hey, but to our issue, we're just reflecting the values of the country. So, yeah. um, you know, so when uh, gay marriage became the law, the law of the land, Hollywood was uh, was taking credit for that because of, uh, you know, shows that showed same-sex couples in such a positive light. And, uh, you know, when, when the next school shooting happens, Hollywood will say, hey, I know there was a lot of violence in our shows and our movies, but we're just reflecting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not, you know, uh, we're not we're not uh, promoting, you know, so it depends on the issue. Hollywood is a little schizophrenic on that. Yeah, I would agree with that, that there is sort of a double standard. When it's good news, they want to take credit for it. And when it's not so great news, maybe not so much. But I also think, I mean, just as I mean, I'll be honest, just as a, a queer person myself, like representation matters. And I think for a Christian who wants to see themselves reflected adequately on screen, the same the same thing is that I want as a Jewish American, you know, queer person. I want to be reflected on screen in positive light as well. And so I feel like there should be room for everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, that's kind of the the focus of my story is that, uh, you know, Christians are pushing back. They're like, well, Hollywood isn't going to make the kind of stuff we care about. Hollywood's going to keep focusing on, on the bad when it comes to Christian Bible thumpers and such. So we'll start making our own stuff. And, uh, you know, the chosen uh, did it, um, miraculously almost by, by raising money from average people who gave a hundred dollars here and a hundred dollars there. Yeah. And now they got one of the hottest was worldwide, 500 million episodes have been watched thus far. And uh, they're not even in the fourth season yet. Yet they're filming that now. Mm-hmm. And you know, Jesus revolution top went over 50 million and, um, uh, you know, passion of the Christ did 600 million worldwide, you know, yeah. so, so, um, They've proven that they can uh, make stuff that people want to see, even if they're not going the traditional Hollywood route. I mean, even Mel Gibson didn't go the traditional Hollywood route when he made a movie that made $600 million. Yeah. And that's what's something that's so exciting for me, at least, in that just as a sort of a a Hollywood film sort of nerd, one of the things that I've always noticed with marginalized groups like, let's say, LGBTQ representation in film or black representation in film for years and years and years before a lot of those people from those groups had seats at the table and there's still work that needs to be done for people to have those seats at the table. But 
for years, th- those characters were all always represented as sort of shifty or as shady or as questionable. And then as more of those people became players and creators in Hollywood, we saw more stories being told, like Tyler Perry selling stories or Spike Lee. Or on the queer side, you have so many great storytellers like Ryan Murphy who are representing people in different lights. And the same, I think, can be said for Christian entertainment in that if you give people a seat at the table and allow them access to create the work that they want to create... There'll be an audience there for it because people want that. You know, they want that genuine representation. Oh, of course. And, uh, you know, Christians have always had a seat at the table in Hollywood. It's just that <laughs> lately it seems like there's the seat at the table is more for anti-Christians. And you see that from Hollywood actors themselves, uh, some of whom spoke to me both on the record and off the record, saying that, uh, you know, they, they hide their Christianity when they, when they go for roles. You know, uh, you know, someone told me that they usually wear a cross, but they'll hide it if they're, if, if they're going for an audition and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, uh, Rain Wilson tweeted about bigotry against Christians in Hollywood. And a lot of people, you know, poo-pooed on the whole notion, like, ah, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, these are people that, who work in the industry and have seen it and have lived it. And, uh, you know, dismissing them uh, just because uh, you as a fan of movies and TV shows don't see it, uh, that's pretty wrongheaded. I think we have to believe the people who are out there going on the editions and seeing the script changes and, uh, and, and hearing the comments both to their faces and behind their backs. We can't just dismiss them as being uh, kooks. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's something... There's something to be said that, uh, you know, Christians are getting a bad light, bad rap in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And also, I mean, if you look back in Hollywood, just sort of from the beginning of filmmaking, really stories from the Bible have been a, 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 a counter or a central point for a lot of filmmaking. I mean, you look at like Cecil B. DeMille's films and you look at Ben Hur and you look at like the Ten Commandments. You look at all these massive, huge Hollywood films that had to do with Christianity or religion or in general, they were once mainstays. So do you think that this trend of sort of Christian based entertainment not only is going to grow, but might actually maybe go back to the days of films like Ben-Hur and Ten Commandments, et cetera? Yeah, but uh, probably not by a traditional Hollywood as much as in the past. You know, you saw traditional Hollywood try to make, you know, biblical Tales, modern biblical tales like Noah, and and um, they they failed miserably because you know their interpretations of the Bible didn't appeal to actual Christians, nor did it appeal to the secular world. So you know they're big budget uh, flops basically. So um, I I think uh, if you're looking for something reverential, it's going to skirt the Hollywood tradition and go the route that the chosen went. Or the route, even, uh, or 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 there'll be uh, you know partnerships like uh, mm-hmm. you know the chosen and Jesus Revolution both have a partnership with Lionsgate. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that's the way of the future is like uh, uh, Christian filmmakers who prove their metal, who prove they can uh, make a movie that'll draw an audience. They'll get mm-hmm. deals with traditional Hollywood. Yeah, and I mean, just like you said before about sort of the the shifty nature of Hollywood. They'll, they'll take credit when it's good, but they won't take credit when it's bad. Everyone knows Hollywood likes to make money. So if these things are making money and they're big, they're going to line up with these companies and actually maybe start producing some of these things, you know, don't you think? Yes. And, um, and they'll probably be lower budget than, um, 
like uh, like the Noah example I used earlier, um, you know, a lot of people, a lot, a lot of Christians in Hollywood say, oh, see, see, a studio finally made a biblical story, and uh, it, it was a big money loser. So now they're now they're safe. They don't have to do that for the next next twenty years. Yeah. But um, that but that that <laughs> that kind of is conspiratorial to me. Uh, uh, I I, th- I think you're right about uh, Hollywood really wanting to make money, really wanting to crack this audience. I just think that uh, they're going to do so with proven Christian talent mm-hmm. and, um, and 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 the folks behind um, you know Sound of Freedom is a uh, will be a good test. I think they're going to be getting um, getting some offers shortly. Yeah, yeah, I can see that too. Well, Paul, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. I really appreciate it. Stick around. I'll be right back with Jonathan Rumi. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank member FDIC. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. It's so great to, to chat with you. I, I, I read um, the article that Paul did in, for the magazine about sort of the rise of Christian entertainment and Hollywood and shows like The Chosen and other things that are becoming really popular. And so I was eager to speak with you on the podcast about, well, the show and you and, and just your thoughts on a lot of different things. So it's really, it's really great to be able to chat with you. It's great to be here. Yeah, we, uh, this is sort of kind of a... Uh transitioning to to mainstream interest is uh, relatively new for us all so uh, <laughs> happy to do it i'm excited to kind of uh, branch out and introduce more audiences the bigger audience a wider audience to a show that uh, i think is really taking a lot of people by surprise and yeah. the, the level of quality and, and the, the the issues we're tackling and, and sort of upsetting people's notions of what we actually do on mm-hmm. the show and mm-hmm. how effective the show is and then essentially it's you know it's a, it's a drama. It's a period drama. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. It's, it's, I, I really, I really love that. And I guess my first question for you is what, what did you, what a first appealed to you about the chosen? You know, I had done some short films with a director, um, about four years before the series came to existence. And so for me, um, you know, I was an actor struggling in Los Angeles for, at that time, I'd been in Los Angeles about four years. Um, I came from a background in crew in New York. I'm from New York City originally. And so I worked in film and TV on the crew side for about 10, 12 years before I moved to L.A. So when I got to L.A., I kind of had to rethink how I made a living because the yeah. crew position I had in New York didn't quite apply in L.A. And it was a, it was a union position. And. I didn't really want to go back to crew. I wanted to try to, you know, make my strides as a performer and, and see if I could actually accomplish it. Um, but obviously, you know, when, when you move to a new city, you, you reset the clock and you start over and you make new relationships. And so I struggled and, and juggled a bunch of different gigs and 
one of the things I, I, you know, one of the jobs as an actor I did were, were short films, and in which case, if they were high, good scripts and they they paid well, and they, yeah. they wanted to travel me to Chicago to to shoot a short film playing Jesus for this guy's church uh, for his, uh, Easter service, wow. I was more than happy to do that. And yeah. being a lifelong Christian, I'm like, ah, oh, okay, this is this is kind of a cool way to to marry my faith and my uh, mm-hmm. and my career. Uh, I hadn't quite thought it would lead to anything else and then four years later he's like yeah i think we're going to do a series I'm like oh wow okay sure let's let's give it a shot let's do it i mean that's so yeah. interesting that one of the things that stood out from the magazine article that paul did was the and what sort of surprised it i guess it didn't surprise me but it it kind of upset me a little bit i guess that actors mm-hmm. christian actors auditioning sometimes feel like they couldn't sort of wear their cross or be themselves or Mm -hmm. sort of, you know, be open about their faith in the way that you would be normally. I mean, not like overtly open. Like it's, I guess it's weird to walk into an audition being like, I'm a Christian, but it's, I got a couple of Bibles. I'm just going to read here for you. I just, you know, take your time. That would be, that would be a little weird, but, (laughs) but, but I mean, it, it did, it kind of upset me that, that there was this sort of insecurity. And as a, I mean, I'm like, I was saying before to, to your representative, I was, I mean, I'm a gay Jew. So like, I have no experience Mm -hmm. in that world. So like it, it, it upset me that they would have that. And I wanted to know if you ever experienced that in auditions or in material that you were doing or how you approach material. Like, did you ever have that sort of conflict? I've had um, people at one time or another, even on my team, um, that were like, hey, you might want to downplay your, your, your faith kind of thing. I'm like, mm-hmm. what? And I didn't quite... I didn't quite get that because to me, I wasn't, you know, I think we, we, it came up in a conversation, something that was just kind of organic and, and, uh, and it, I'd say, Oh, like, you know, I just started talking about this thing that we both had in common with this person. And, uh, and it was kind of like, yeah, let's, it's really not kind of an open sort of thing. I'm like, mm-hmm. and I was shocked to hear that. And to me, it's, it's, so much a part of who I am in my life that I have no problem talking to anybody about it. I don't go around, like you said, like, you know, proselytizing or, yeah. or hitting people over the head with a, with a Bible or a replica of the 10 commandments or anything like that. But, you know, if somebody wants to ask me about it, it's, it's like anything else. I'm like, I'm happy to, to share, you know, if somebody's yeah. curious or has questions or needs clarity, I'm happy to share it and where it leads from there. Who knows? So to kind of feel like, yeah, um, I couldn't talk about it. That to me, that that's just par for the course. Generally mm-hmm. speaking, uh, in entertainment, by and large, um, seeing now in the last few years, seeing the the success of the chosen, the success of this other film I did, uh, Jesus Revolution, mm-hmm. um, and then now Sound of Freedom, um, I think. I think it's opening up the conversation a bit more, where people are like, "No, you see, I'm not alone. I'm not." I'm not just isolated in this, like, you know, this I, I, whispering behind closed doors to other people that happen to be wearing a cross. Oh, you're a Christian, I'm a Christian. Hey, let's talk about it. You know, yeah. I don't feel like there's that so much as much now mm-hmm. um, with with success. But I mean, you know, with success, anything, it kind of changes the, the, the tenor of any conversation, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. And I mean, the success is is really interesting. I mean, what do you think? it is attributed to sort of people's response to the chosen in particular. I think people identify themselves 
in these scenarios. Like we've woven stories uh, and storylines based on scripture, but that take left and right turns like humanity does. And so there are now these characters um, played by like the, the disciples uh, especially that they have foibles, they have little quirks and isms, and and they're modeled after humanity. You know mm-hmm. the the things and the troubles and the trials that we go through as as the human race, and so people now start to identify with certain characters. Like, oh my gosh, I feel so much like the character of Eden. You know, like I I lost a baby, and I I know what she's going through, and so they they it's like a first century version of This Is Us. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like and with with political intrigue and 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 um, power dynamics and and uh, you know betrayal and and all sorts of stuff that that make up great stories, but is based on material that's been around for two thousand years, five thousand years in some cases. So yeah, uh, I, I think they just I think they identify with the characters and and you know who doesn't love a great story? Who doesn't love to laugh, cry? Like most people, they can't get through an episode without a box of tissues, and and mm-hmm. and they love that because they're like, no, I I I I know what this storyline is. I I've identified with this before in some way in my own life. Yeah, you know, we have a storyline that revolves around a character. That has a disability and the actor in real life has a disability um jordan ross and he's got a, a, a podcast he has a a, a limp because he has a, a, a bit of cerebral palsy and a mild yeah. scoliosis and so he has a podcast called uh, what's my limp or what's your limp mm-hmm. and talks to people about whatever that metaphorical or physical thing is something that he was so um you know not open about and shying away from and then we took our, our director noticed it. And in some cases, Jordan had been like fired off of a show or let go of a, like a show because they're like, Oh wait, we really can't, we can't really use that because they didn't notice it at first. And Dallas chose to actually write it into the character mm. and it created a whole other world. And, and then we wrote it into where this guy, this as a disciple goes to Jesus and says, you know, I'm, we are healing other people, but you're not healing me. Like, yeah. Why? And, and so we take a very um, common struggle for people and now bring it to another, like a theological level and tackle it in a way that gave people so much comfort and so much identifiability and like peace about mm-hmm. the thing that they were struggling with. So I think that's all kind of those kinds of things has really helped. Um, connect people to the story in a way that nobody's connected to a TV show before. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm thinking back to, I mean, you know, back in the day, old days of Hollywood, religious, you know, cinema was a, a, a mainstay. It was, it was a thing. Yeah. And in my lifetime, I mean, the only thing, there's the Prince of Egypt, which I love, the cartoon. Right. But <laughs> it's great. Well, I do love the car. I love the Prince of Egypt. But there was also that, like, there, I think there was a CBS TV movie or something with Deborah Messing as Mary Magdalene or something. And I was just oh, like, oh, yes. I was a little bit like, yes. I don't think I need to see Deborah Messing as Mary Magdalene, but so I do think it has to do with the tone and sort of what you're putting out there. And the, like you were saying that this is us sort of emotional connection to the story. And the other thing that really I think sets the chosen apart is that it does have that connection to the people because of the success of how it was self-funded, how it was, it really was a, a grassroots collaborative monetary effort to even get this thing out there so people have sort of a, right. a bit of ownership if you will with the oh, chosen yeah. what do you i mean how did Literal you respond to that? yeah you know like like first the people who invested in the first season 
literally bought shares to help fund the show. Mm -hmm. So they have a physical piece of it. And yeah. then now that model has, has uh, transitioned over time. How do you think that, what kind of impact do you think that in particular will have on not just Christian-based entertainment, but I think entertainment in general, because there's a lot of artists out there who have quote-unquote marginalized voices, be it their mm -hmm. faith, their sexuality, their race, their et cetera, et cetera, that aren't being seen by Hollywood in a lot of respects and need their, want their stories told. What sort of impact yeah. do you think that sort of grassroots fundraising will have on entertainment? I think it, it shows creatives and filmmakers that there is an audience for, for any of these stories. You know, there are, there are people that will identify with your stories, no matter what kind of stories you're telling. And then it's a matter of finding that platform in our, in our case, it was angel studios that provided the platform through uh, an app. Um, and, and that allowed people to be able to contribute in a way that had never been done before. Um, so in a lot of, a lot of ways there, there's been a lot of firsts in the process of this show getting to where it is now. And that was one of the things that, um, that was one of the, the, the primary ways in which the, the show was able to reach audiences in, in a new way um, and, and to, to sort of upset the, the, the traditional model. But it made it available to anybody who wanted to watch it uh, for free um, and, and to be able to help other people watch something that they believed in, that they could then say, hey, look, I'm, I'm going to buy this show so that someone else in a whole, in a completely different country can watch it for free yeah. with this, which was this paid forward model. Now we're in a donation model, which is like the whole thing is it's going to be free forever. And if you feel like you got something out of it, you could donate it and it's donate to it. And it's a tax write off. And it's a, we have a new app now and everything. But um, I, I think that said the concept of, of making something that, you have that you know or you feel that there is an audience for available to other people um i i think it just offers people hope it offers people options um to 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 get their work out there in a way that that we've never seen before even just social media you yeah. know like having social media become individual platforms and having these influencers i mean there's a number of influencers that i i'll watch their stuff because it's just it's really well done and I can just click a button and it doesn't, I'm already on the platform. It doesn't cost me anything. And now if I, if I saw this particular influencer all of a sudden had a, a, you know, somehow got a movie deal or something coming out, I, I would go support it because I believe in what they're doing. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, it's entertaining. And I think it's, you know, the, the internet in itself has just created a whole new system for people to consume content that are, is very specific to the things that they, um, that they jive with. Yeah, definitely. And in what way do you think, I mean, The Chosen and, and now with Angel Studios and the Lionsgate partnership and sort of it, the shows and the movies getting a lot more eyes on them and getting the attention of Hollywood because, you know, the, I mean, I think one of the arguments in Paul's in Paul's piece is that Hollywood for so often sort of slept on a lot of this Christian entertainment, but of course, now yeah. that it's making some money, Hollywood's coming <laughs> in. And so I want to know what kind of, what kind of impact do you think that this sort of the opening up and the popularity of shows like The Chosen will have and how it will work itself into the Hollywood system? And are you concerned? I mean, because with more eyeballs comes more scrutiny and comes more criticism mm -hmm. and comes more all of the dominoes that come from more eyeballs. Sure. So 
do you have any sort of trepidation or worry about that? There's a famous script doctor, Robert McKee, who um, basically posits this main thought when it comes to um, scripts and stories and movies being successful. I think that the, the common denominator with all of them is that in the case of a film or TV show, it starts with a good script, well told, mm-hmm. a good script, well told. So a lot of the times I feel like we've seen in the past when, you know, religious blockbusters have failed. Um, it, oftentimes it's because they, the, the script or the intention behind the script um it wasn't quite where it needed to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you, you can't replicate the success of something just by doing the same, like copying the, the, the technical factors, like whether it's doing an app or doing the crowdfunding, like mm-hmm. that's not going to work for everybody. It has to be, the content has to work. Mm-hmm. It has to be authentic. It has to be truthful. Uh, people respond to truth the human soul responds to divine truth when it recognizes it mm. in the act of storytelling. Yeah. Um, the, the, the universal truth, the human truth is what people respond to and, and shows take off like, like this is us, like the chosen. Yeah. Um, because they, they, there's something about it that like, okay, that's, that's real. And that's, that's why I love this. And, and I want to contribute money to it. Um, you can't just like kind of, slap something together stamp a bible on it and and just say this is going to be great this is exactly we'll just tell a story a religious story and uh you know we'll 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 get the biggest names or we'll have the 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 most explosions or whatever and then expect it to do great it's got to come from a place of authenticity from from the ground up and if you don't have that if you don't have people involved whatever the genre is you know whether whether it's um, stories about sexuality or stories about faith or stories about, you know, um, race or would, like mm-hmm. the people who are creating those projects and the content have to be personally invested. I feel for the stories to do well, because they're going to surround those projects with people that have as much investment in telling that story mm-hmm. as the people who are going to see the film or the television show. And so if you try to like get people involved in telling specific stories to specific audiences or even broader audiences with main themes that are specific to certain audiences, you got to make sure that those are being told authentically. And if, and if the minute you start faking it or you start trying to, you know, generalize about certain things, the audiences will know that immediately. They they smell when something's off. Yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't read. It doesn't translate. It won't translate into success. So I think that's the biggest thing. It's like it's got to be quality and it's got to have truth to it, no matter what the subject is or who the audience is or what it's about. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, you're just trying to capitalize on a, a like a, a marketing scheme and that yeah. will ultimately fail. Isn't it amazing how people can really smell through someone trying to like pull one over on them? It's it always it always fails and people still don't quite get it. It blows me away. Yeah. And then they're like, well, how is this succeeding? Yeah. Religious films have I'm like, well, you get the people behind it that really, you know, believe what they're doing and they know how to tell a good story. Yeah. And it's not just like I'm going to go in and shove this message down your throat. It's like, yeah. no, that's it's it's I think that's with with 
Christian filmmaking and faith-based filmmaking, why it's had such a bum rap for so long. It's like you, you have certain kinds of filmmakers that felt that the message mm-hmm. is enough. It doesn't matter if, if the script's not great or the acting's okay, yeah. as long as the message is there. And, and there are people that will, that will, you know, why buy that and, and watch, yeah. watch that and be like, this is great. You know, I heard Jesus's name mentioned seven times and, and that's enough for me. And then, yeah. but for the rest of the world and for, you know, the, 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 the critical world, the artistic integrity of it, it doesn't work. So mm-hmm. you, you put something that is really well done, a good story, well told yeah. with a message it does the work. It does. You don't have to do anything. Yeah. People, you get the message even on a subconscious level. And they're like, you know, I really like that. And I felt good. And I don't quite know why, but it's, mm-hmm. I was entertained. Yeah. And I think that's the difference between, you know, good. That's what surprised so many people about the chosen, but that's the difference between, you know, a good Christian film and a, and a mediocre film. It's like, it'd be better to have a good film that has, let's say in our case, like Christian themes yeah. versus like, christian film mm-hmm. you know first and then whether or not it's good it comes secondary like yeah. you want it to be good yeah exactly i mean it first and it goes across I mean? the board it goes across the board it doesn't even have to be christian based i mean i'm thinking back to right. everything everywhere all at once and i left that theater feeling so moved by that film and the story yeah. about love and family and all of the That's things right. and it, it things you can identify i with. can identify with and it's the same yeah. thing it's a story well told with a message that you that really hits from the people who should be telling that story, which is, I think, really the and, most important thing. And you so, when, and when you know they they racked up those accolades, and you heard the speeches, like everybody on that project was so invested in yeah. what was happening in in putting together that project. You're like, well, no wonder, no wonder it was so good because everybody just poured their love and their yep. heart into that project. And it made it a huge success. So I'm so happy for them. Yeah. It's, it's great. Well, I have two more questions for you. And this is the one that's sure. been on my mind ever since I even thought of the questions to ask you. Playing Jesus. I mean, I, like I said, gay Jew, I don't know a lot about Jesus, but, but <laughs> I was, was Jewish. I mean, yeah, he was Jewish. That's all I know. Yeah. He's the most, one of the most famous Jews in the world. But yes. all, I do know that Jesus um, is very popular and famous. Mm. And he's kind of like a superhero in a lot of ways in that. When you play, when an actor plays Jesus, it is like taking on a superhero role because Mm. you are forever for the rest of your career, especially if the project's successful, like The Chosen, you are forever Jesus. Like you're not going to shake Jesus. Like you could play any other role and you're still kind of a little bit of Jesus. So do you, do you worry about that, about sort of future projects and how, how do you take on sort of, especially as the show becomes more popular, like the impact of playing a character like Jesus, you know? Um, to answer your first question, I haven't the, the, the slightest concern or worry in the world. Um, if God forbid I were to die tomorrow and do nothing else, and this would be the thing that I get remembered for, I, I could do much worse. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's been playing Jesus has been and will be the honor of my life because of its impact, because of the responses that I get, because of the people that I meet. Um, it, it's it's on such another level as an actor. And before I play Jesus, before I play Jesus for the Chosen, I didn't do any faith-based stuff really, other than those short films with that same with the same director with Dallas Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Um, so I only knew like secular 
so to speak, uh, projects. But I never, so I, I never could have imagined this is where it would go. But by doing this, it, it's been clear to me that this was part of God's mission in my life for me because of the impact that it's having on people. At a time where um, church attendance uh, and spiritual um, um, identification is probably at some of its lowest in, in a long time, at least 50 to 100 years, uh, this is something, this project is something, and this character that I'm playing, the person that I'm playing, um, has had a, a, an impact on people to such a degree that it's, it's, it's mind bending. Uh, the most extreme example I can think of is that I met a girl, um, who was set to take her own life. She had written out a suicide note. Uh, she was in a really bad state. Uh, she was going to hang herself in her, her parents house and she was just obviously going through so much and i think she had connected with a friend and just said don't hold on just don't do anything just come over we'll watch some tv we'll, we'll talk and uh and she happened to put on the first episode of our show mm. and the storyline of that first episode struck such a deep nerve with this girl she was just wrecked but by the end of it she felt that she knew for a fact that god loved her that she had a purpose on this earth and decided not to go through it didn't kill herself mm. two years later she's now helping other girls that are in a, in a rough spot and and i think doing the mission work and, and just her life has completely changed mm. since that moment and to be connected to that reality you can't quantify that mm -hmm. i mean it's like there's there's nothing i will ever do for the rest of my life ever that will ever have an impact on humanity in the way this character is so if i get remembered for nothing else i'm good with that man yeah. i can i can sleep at night you know what i mean definitely um and i think having it's deepened my own faith walk mm -hmm. and i think having that faith uh, it's, it's really, I mean, it's evolved as a result of it. And, um, you know, people, when they, a lot of the times when they meet me, I mean, they, they know I'm not actually Jesus, but yeah. the, the, the reaction to the show is so strong, um, that they, they want a spiritual encounter because they're having a spiritual encounter when they're watching the show. Mm -hmm. And so when they meet me, they, some of them just start bursting into tears I've had people ask me to, to bless and, you know, pray over them. I had, uh, I met a woman who had a, a son who was wheelchair bound, um, couldn't speak, cerebral palsy. And so was so affected by an episode. She, in the back of her mind, she was hoping like maybe if we met God might allow some sort of thing to have some miracle. And I said, I, I wish I could help in that way. As far as I know, I don't have that gift, but I would love to pray with you. And I yeah. literally prayed with them. They were ecstatic and the kid was so happy. And, and mm. I walked away and burst into tears myself because I thought, it, did I let them down on some level? And then, you know, I kind of processed that. I'm like, okay, okay. I just, my job is to be present with people when I mm -hmm. meet them to the best of my human ability. I'm, I'm a flawed human being. So, yeah. I just hope that when I meet people in that situation that I can just 
approach them with the grace and love that God gives me on a daily basis. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's all I can do. And and if if I'm meant to keep working and doing other projects, um, that's awesome. I, yeah. The fact that I got to do this film wasn't Jesus. He's a preacher, but it was quite different than mm-hmm. Jesus. Um, and and the feedback I got was that like it was similar, but it was really different. And so I thought, yeah. great. So maybe there's maybe there's room to do more stuff, and and you know, we'll see we'll yeah. see what happens. And Whatever I mean, the impact of what you just said is the. The, like you said before, the power of a story well told. I mean, people that's will connect right. and that's all people want. That's all anyone wants. Doesn't matter where you come from. You just want to connect with other people. That's all. Connect with people. Yeah. That's what we're here to do, man. Exactly. To help each other out on this planet. Well, my last question is the question that I'm sure every single fan of The Chosen wants to ask and has probably been like, why isn't he asking this question? What can people <laughs> expect from season four of The Chosen? Oh, man. Season four is going to be a doozy. Um, things are, uh, things are heating up in season four. Um, tensions are mounting. Um, Jesus is becoming more, um, isolated in many ways. Um, there's a lot that people I think aren't quite ready for in season four, but we're ultimately we're, we're moving towards Jerusalem. We're moving towards the cross. Everybody kind of knows how this story ends. And uh, I think now that's becoming reality. Uh, there's 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 tension with the, the state of Rome. There's tension with the religious leaders. There's tension among the disciples. So this is going to be, um, this, this season is going to pack a few punches that I, I think a lot of people aren't quite ready for. But Isn't it amazing how like a how like even though we all know I mean I don't know much of the story but like you know Christians know the story so 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 well and yet yeah. they're still riveted by this show because even though they know how it ends they're still like I got to watch I got to watch and that's again a great great writing great acting great all of the things you know. Yeah, you know I think I think where we take creative liberties I mean it's always supporting the original source material. Yeah. But what makes the show different and why it's, I think, exploded um, is, be- is because we're, we're adding in the, the liberties that we're taking are fleshing out characters that we've never really, we don't have a whole lot of, you know, writing on, you know. So we're, we're, we're using uh, technical advisors, biblical advisors, just to say, hey, generally, does this feel like this could have happened? And like, yeah, that's, that would have happened in first century Judea that, that works, you know, as a story. And we're, we've got great writers that know how to craft stories about, you know, the human condition and, uh, and there are some twists and turns. That's That's kind of what keeps us going. That's exciting. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you, H. Allen. It's been a pleasure and an honor. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time. What an episode, right? I think this probably is going to go down as one of my favorite episodes, followed by maybe my chat with Bette Midler. That was a really good one. And my Paris Hilton chat and the Quentin Brunson one was really good. I've done a lot of good episodes, let me just say. But this is going to be high up on the list, I think. Anyway, let me know what you thought about today's episode. Follow me on H. Allen Scott on everything. And thanks for listening to The Parting Shot. I hope you're able to leave a little rating and review wherever you're listening to this podcast. It helps the show so 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 much and especially because i love this episode so much if you did please go leave that review 
And for the latest news and podcasts, go to Newsweek.com and follow Newsweek on all the socials. And while you're there, subscribe to my newsletter for the culture. It's great. Until then, watch something fun and have a great day.